You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 3, brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow hosts Nick and Jonathan. This episode will cover parts 1 and 2 of The Silvered Serpents, the second installment in Rashani Shakshi's Gilded Wolves trilogy. If you're watching live, join us in the chat or after the fact. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. And please note that the views expressed in this show are those of the host as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. Don't forget that we now have a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return. You can check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. At the end of the Gilded Wolves, Tristan was dead. Layla and Severin were at odds, and Severin refused his chance to retake the air test and ascend to his rightful place as head of House Vanth. But then the matriarch of House Kor told Hypnos, head of House Nyx, that Severin actually wasn't the heir. And so as we join our cookies and the Silvered Serpents, we are absolutely scratching our heads about all of that. The Silvered Serpents opened much like the Gilded Wolves did, that being with a prologue this time focused on Delphine, House Cora's matriarch. We already knew from Severin that before his parents died, she was basically like a very close aunt to him, but it seems that when he was orphaned, she walked away from him and never looked back. However, it sounds like, as with so much in this series, things aren't quite what they seem. Delphine certainly loves Severin, and the prologue recounts her being confronted by his mother, who asks Delphine to protect her son. Not that we get any additional information as to why that is, at least not yet. Instead, we dive right back into the main storyline, though it's a very different start than when we saw in the first book. While Severin and Enrique are still living at La Eden, Layla has moved out, and Zavia has been away for some time, visiting her sister in Poland, supposedly for Hanukkah, though we learn that in reality Zofia's sister was, is, dying, which Zofia is keeping from her fellow cookies. However, Severin quickly brings them all back together with the news that he finally has information on the next item they've been trying to acquire, a book called The Divine Lyrics, the same book that Layla has been searching for because she believes it will allow her to live past her 19th birthday. But now Severon wants it as well, and his reasoning is all sorts of messed up. It all comes back to him hating himself for not protecting Tristan, and now he wants to use the book to become a god so that he can resurrect his friends and, um not feel pain or loss or guilt. So yeah, super healthy. Anyway, that's a thing that's happening. Next thing we know, the cookies are on their way to Russia where they immediately dive into heist number one. This involves them getting a hold of some special spectacles that will allow them to discover the location of the Fallen House's sleeping palace, the place where they supposedly stored their treasure and therefore probably this VIB very important book. Of course, this mini heist isn't without its problems, but in the end they pull it off, though just as they are about to celebrate, they're attacked. Delphine, of all people, saves them and then brings Severon and Hypnos to a tea room that specializes in something called blood forging, a forging art that is apparently very much looked down on and most often used for um, sexual things. 
Well, there, De Delphine admits that she also wants the Divine Lyrics book. Surprisingly, Severon agrees. And he says that he will deliver it to her, though he, of course, thinks that this will only be after he gets what he needs from it. When the cookies convene again, they quickly figure out that the spectacles respond to music. So Hypnos plays a C major scale on the very convenient piano, and the spectacles reveal their secret, coordinates that will surely lead them to the sleeping palace. They meet up with Delphine and two new characters, Ruslan, the patriarch of Russia's house Dazbog, and his cousin Eva, who somehow specializes in both ice and blood forging, and is also super rude to Layla while making eyes at Severin. <sighs> Finally, the cookies and their new companions head to the coordinates revealed by the spectacles and then use those spectacles to, well, make the sleeping palace appear. It turns out to be more cathedral than palace, with a library that seems to be empty of books, a huge room full of ice-forged animals, and an ice grotto that appears to be empty until Severin tries to head up some stairs, which causes one of the ice animals to attack and earns Severin a suffocating ice mask. Zofia stops the animal with a fiery net, but it takes Eva rushing in with her special powers to save Severin in a sort of mouth-to-mouth -mouth situation. Right in front of Layla, of course. And that, dear listeners, is where we leave our cookies for now. Okay, so one thing I wanted to touch on, because I don't believe we discussed this much, if at all, in our last episode, but it features very heavily in this book, particularly in the very beginning, is Tristan, not his death so much, but the fact that he was killing and dissecting birds in his gardens. And not mm. like in a for science type of way, nope. you know, and like I said, it's brought up several times in the first Severin and Layla chapters in The Silver Serpents. So I wanted to make sure that we discussed it. Um, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like Tristan has demons and this is how he was getting them out. And I don't know. I, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this because I am just over here like, I mean, at least it was just birds, but it's also still torturing animals, bad sign. And I feel like there, like, was there more to it? You know, like, I don't know. I, so I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? It's just weird. Like, they don't really, aside from it giving Tristan, like, a dark side to his personality, we don't really have any understanding or reason for why it happens. Or why it happened, I guess, past tense. Several of the chapters that are Severn chapters in the first part of this book open with, you know, kind of looks back again in, in the Gilded Wolves, it was looks back at the foster parents that they had. But mm -hmm. in this case, it's more like looking back at how those people died. And it's like, are they hinting this? I... It does seem to imply that at least some of them, Tristan might have had a hand in. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously these are bad people. So it's like, I don't know like how bad I feel about it. We were introduced to this idea that he was the, the way, the reason why there weren't any birds in the gardens is because they were, he, he was killing them. Like he was oh, catching yeah. them and killing them. And it just, I don't know, like, you know, the torturing small animals thing. It's like, it just brings you back to that's what 
people with severe like psychopathic issues do and I mean, I, it made me think of like Joffrey, right? But clearly mm-hmm. Tristan had Severin there, I guess maybe tempering him, which is weird because you wouldn't think Severin would temper anybody. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's I don't know how much they're going to explore this further, honestly, but it just, they, you know, they mentioned it at the very end of the last book and then they, the author, you know, Shiny Chukchi really like drove it home in, this first part of this book and it was kind of like I it felt weird like Tristan's gone why are we dwelling I, I don't know I feel like there has to be some reason why we're dwelling on him doing this well maybe because he's not really gone right I mean isn't there always the possibility well, of some sort I mean, of blood magic to bring him back I mean to be fair Rouge Bear chomped on a suicide pill and apparently didn't actually like do it right and did live yeah. so but no i i do believe tristan is dead it's just i don't know i i think it's gonna come up again and i wanted to make sure i got everybody's if you I mean, had the, thoughts on it get got them because i feel like this isn't gonna just go away <laughs> well i think i think in some ways it's a another thing for severin to feel guilty about that they can mm-hmm. lead towards his he has all these his own demons and guilt and now this is something additional to be guilty about not everything is about you severin geez <laughs> like, i'm just I- saying from the author's perspective you know if it wasn't clear that he's guilt he he feels guilt now he really feels guilt <laughs> oh god well i mean on that note i was i don't quite have it in this order but since we are already talking about Severin and the apparent need for him to just feel more guilty and for things to just be more all about him. I wanted to quote something. I wanted to read a passage because like already, as we talked about two weeks ago, as we talked about when we, when we discussed the end of Gilded Wolves, we, well, Nick and I specifically were kind of like, ugh, Severin, this is like, we don't care about this right now. <laughs> But this passage just had me like, absolutely not. Please don't. Uh, Severin thinks we could be gods. That was what the divine lyrics promised. If he had the book, he could be a god. A god did not know human pain or loss or guilt. A god could resurrect. He could share the book's powers with the others, turn them invincible, protect them forever. And when they left him, as he knew they'd always planned to, he wouldn't feel a thing for he would not be human. Oh my God, emo boy. Bleh. Bleh. Yeah. Like, I, anybody, did you, when you guys read that passage, were you also like, just, no, please stop, why? Because that's how I felt. Absolutely. I, I just, you could be a god. Have we not learned our lesson? Did you not see what happened to Rouge Bear? Did you did, like you already know what happened to the Fallen House? I don't think this is going to. This is not going to turn out the way you want it to. How could you possibly think that it's just going to work for you when it didn't for anybody else? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, and and just in terms of what that lends to his already highly questionable character. Like, I don't want to feel anything. I guess maybe he's like the opposite of emo boy. He does. 
Well, he's trying to. I, I think he's trying to bury all his emotions, so, sort of Vulcan-like, and just does a poor job of it. Except the Vulcans are specifically like live like they're in a lot. What is what is a logic-based well, they, society? <laughs> this is not. You know, and 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 I. I I mean, I, I agree. I get what you're saying. He's 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 trying to get rid of or bear. Well, really, I don't even I don't even think just bury. I think he wants to get rid of feeling, and it's like, dude, that's not how things work. Nope. And it leads to him just being <sighs> mean as fuck to everybody, and mm-hmm. I'm just really tired of like really tired of him. Really tired of him. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Like, <sighs> yeah, he was definitely mean to Sophia. Zof- Zof- I mean, yeah, he's he's mean to everyone. Him, he and Layla are absolutely awful to each other. And granted, it is yep. more on him. Well, I think that's more her. of a mutual awful to each other as opposed to the Sophia. I thought was totally unwarranted. Oh, I oh, Sophia was completely unwarranted. But at the same time, like Layla is. It's sort of, I God, I don't want to get into this too much, but there is no such thing as mutual abuse. There is an abuser and there is somebody who reacts possibly badly to that abuse, right? Severin is an abuser and Layla is reacting badly to it. Is she behaving properly? No. Is she being mean back? Yes. But it's on him, right? Like, yeah. on him. I mean, the fact that they all have just kind of moved on. Like Enrique is the only one who even still lives at Leden and, uh, or well, I mean, Zofia would too, but Zofia left. And this whole thing with her sister being sick is obviously true, but, and, and, and to be fair, Severin does offer to care for her sister. Right. I mean, with his own money, and everything because he mm-hmm. needs Sophia with him and it's like I'm not adding this to your debt I'm just going to care for your sister I'll make sure you get her letters you know so so there's that at least but it's it's kind of a weird side plot that I'm like what's going on over there you know like what it, she's very ill like she almost died and then sort of got better and I don't know but yeah in terms of Severin like do either one of you like him right now? Absolutely not. No. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, and to be honest, I'm on the cusp of like, no matter, like there there can be redemption arcs, right? I don't think I'm ever going to like him again. He can well, be. Well, part of the problem but... is he started as a character that I was kind of meh about. And by the end of book one, I actively disliked him. And now he's getting worse in book two. Like it, it's hard to imagine a redemption arc that does anything better than bring him up to Matt again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you did you like Severin at first, Jonathan? Or yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yes, I did at first, but he's becoming. Yeah, I didn't. A jackass. I mean, he I always didn't... he always had a bit of a jackass in him, but there's. The yeah. good jackass, and then there's the jackass jackass. <laughs> I didn't like love him, but I think I I think I was a little bit more positive to him than you were, Nick, just based on you know conversations we've all had. 
but I agree. Like, again, we talked about this in episode uh, 44 at the second half of Guild of Wolves quite a bit where it was like whatever positive feeling I had had about this dude went out the window. And now it's just like you said, he is just digging that hole real damn deep. And, you know, that this is because this is a book of POV characters, right? We've got Severin, Layla, Zofia, and Enrique. But Zofia and Enrique are like, I would say Severin and Layla are the leads. Zofia and Enrique are supporting. And mm-hmm. I'm real pissed we haven't gotten Hypnos chapter so far. I know. We got teased with one at the end of last book. I we're real know. mad. I, like, part of me is almost like, oh, no. So we, so the first book opened with a prologue that was in Delphine's perspective. Uh, we only knew her as the matriarch of House Core at that point. Now we know her actual mm-hmm. first name. This book also opened with an oh, epilogue. yeah. So I have a feeling, or sorry, with a prologue. So I have a feeling that a bad feeling that we're not going to get actual hypnos POV, that it's we're just going to get an epilogue. And this Ooh. is I have not looked forward. I don't know for sure. I I have read farther than what we're discussing tonight, but I haven't gotten to the end quite yet. I was I was like I had to hold myself off. <laughs> Roshni, so, we need hypnos POV. I know, right? Come on. But I have a feeling that's what's happening here. So we'll see, I guess. But and, and again, I suspect because, you're right. Yeah, only because we've gotten through parts one and two without a hypnos chapter. Yeah. But the book did open with the same yeah. prologue character as the first book. So yeah, I, I, I which you know, honestly, I, I respect the pattern. I really do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just um, want hypnos. I want hypnos more than I want Severin in all the ways, honestly. Hyp- hypnos is like my favorite character. So give me more hypnos. Although, although. He and Enrique. Uh, yes. Also. Like poor this whole this whole like so far this whole book is just poor Enrique. Like he he go he has that speech prepared that he's giving mm. in this fancy library in Paris and nobody shows up and then he's he constantly in his head about you know feeling weird about hypnos and nobody listens to me and I just. I can't. We. I know we've talked. Does Severin have forging abilities? No. I feel like we couldn't remember the last time we got together, and now I also I, I forgot to look it up. I don't think he does. He does. He does. Severin. Yeah, Severin does not have forging abilities. Not that we know of. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Severin does or not. That have he forging. knows of. He doesn't appear to have any knowledge of any forging abilities either. Yeah. So he's like an he's like an agent, right? He gets all the really talented people together. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Enrique also no forging abilities, but he, he, him and Severin do have their own talents. I'll give Severin, you know, yes, Severin have their own talents, but Enrique has worked very hard for his. Severin just kind of is like, I'm a good observer. <laughs> I, I wouldn't use the term. I wouldn't use the term agent. I would use the term CEO. <laughs> I mean, he's not really. An he agent. is an asshole, so that fits. He's not really an agent. Agents, yeah. you know, represent people. CEOs put teams together, and he's the mastermind. Choo choo. I mean, 
I, I so so when it comes to Enrique though, Enrique's just having a real rough time of it. He is my baby. I know. I just want to ruffle his adorable hair and <laughs> like tell him he's smart and listen to whatever he has to say because apparently nobody listens to him. <laughs> I mean, they really don't. Also, like yeah, no, they, they really don't. He's not until Ru- except except Rusalon. Yes, yes, yeah. We'll get into that in a minute, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nobody nobody really listens to him. I feel really bad, and he's just having a rough time. It's very clear that the thing with him and Hypnos is I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Uh, I think that whatever is going on with Hypnos, he doesn't have it in him to be in a relationship. Commit. Yeah, the way that Enrique wants a relationship. It's okay, though, because... We all know that Enrique and Sofia are still eyeing each other, you know. So well, now Enrique is also eyeing. Um, crap, I can't. I forgot her name. Is it Eva or Ava? I think it's Ava. Okay, yeah, I said Eva when I was reading the summary, and I was like, oh, she's Russian. I bet. I bet it's Ava. Um, he he is. I mean, but I feel like that's in like a she's really attractive sort of way, True. not necessarily. I am immediately interested in this person sort of way, and hey, like you can absolutely be like that person's hot, but yeah. you know they don't necessarily make your blood boil in the right ways. So, <laughs> I do think that Eva may make their blood boil in the wrong ways. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing, like everybody notices that she's being nasty AF to Layla, which yep. is just like, oh, I don't. Uh, okay. In terms of Enrique, so we're all agreeing <laughs> he is just, nobody's listening to him. And it's like, it's like poor sad Enrique time, right? Like, yep. and, and he didn't really, I, I do feel like they are fleshing out his character more. Or, or the author, uh, Roshni Chakshi, is fleshing mm-hmm. out his character more, even though it almost seems like I'm seeing less, like, I, I feel like there were less POV chapters for him and Sophia. It felt like there was a lot of Severin and Layla. But I, I could be wrong about that. It could just be because I'm annoyed with Severin and also annoyed <laughs> in a way, like, I'm also annoyed with Layla because, girl, just brush brush off that, sh- like, brush your shoulder off. Get rid of that, like, get rid of that dude. I don't, like, I get that they're teenagers though. I've been there and I'm looking, you know, I'm thinking back to 19, 18, 19 year old Tara and how, how many people I was just like. But See, this wait. is something I don't think that's a, the correct worldview to take though, because you're a lot younger back then you were forced to. So in some ways, yes, it's 18, 19 year old Tara. But in other ways, it's they're more like 28, 29, 30-year-olds today. I mean, I their, their, their life expectancy was different. Their ex- expectations of where you were in life at certain ages was different back then. Well, I mean, for Layla, the life expectancy is certainly Well, no, no, I, I talk about I know, I know. I, <laughs> you know, you know people were... I mean, a lot of people were out working for a living at 14, right? I mean... People were expected to be married at 18. It yeah. was just very, very different. 
And oh no! I, I, put I our life to put our life expectancy, our our life expectations, and where we were in life at certain times with someone from in a fantasy world, but at least one based on Earth history, a certain degree, and be two hundred and fifty years ago is it's just very different. I don't disagree, but I do. I mean, that doesn't change the fact that the way Layla is about Severin is it's not, it's like, it's, it's, it's it's very much like very young woman Mm -hmm. obsessed with the wrong dude. And yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's not necessarily something that happens at 18. That happens at every age. Maybe, but at some point you, I mean, at some point me, at least I grew up, right? Like I moved on from that sort of, it it took a while, I'll be honest, (laughs) early thirties, but it was also like, I had two separate relationships that were very different and also very abusive. So I'm looking at it from that perspective where like now I would not fucking put up with that. Right. And part of it is because when the first relationship was absolutely because I was just young and immature and whatever, like all the, all the things you think about a person that's in their late teens and early twenties, the second relationship, I should have known better, but it was that obsession. And actually like the, the relationship between Layla and Severin reminds me way more of the relationship I had in my early thirties that was super abusive because I'm like reading the way Layla's thinking and it's like, he's so awful to her. And he's also like, not just awful to her, he's kind of awful period. And she sees it, but she's also just like, so she, she, it's like that. It's like a pheromone thing. She's just, she's like, whatever he smells like is like up in her (laughs) nose all the time and she can't get over it. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, I just want to. Well, maybe, maybe he's forging that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's his forging ability to make everybody just like drawn to him. God, I hope not. That's gross. I, well, like, actually, and speaking of speaking of forging abilities like that, the whole like blood forging thing, mm-hmm. and and I do understand why. Because I I actually after I wrote the summary, I thought about it a little bit, and then I was like, oh, never mind. I get why ice and blood forging would be similar, because there's there are trace like elements of metals in ice and blood mm-hmm. and so i get why somebody would have an affinity for both but the blood forging thing was as far as i can remember not at all introduced in the first book it might have been very so. briefly mentioned in terms of like you have these these are the affinities right like in a brief like quick 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 explanation but it certainly wasn't expounded upon. And I, I really don't remember there being a thing called blood forging. So the fact that at least so far, it seems that it's going to factor in quite a bit in this book is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, you know, that the, when we were reading the whole Grisha verse, how, how many times did something come up where it's like, okay, you've got these basic powers, right? And then they, mm-hmm. it turns out they've expanded. And I don't even think it was necessarily and I'm expanding my magic world. It's more just like, this is a thing that existed and I'm putting it into this story because this is where it fits. You know, so so not 
complaining at all, but I don't know. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about the blood forging aspect and, and how it has come up so far? I'm still, I don't know. Uh, like you said, I don't think it was actually mentioned in the first book. Uh, no, it was. It was definitely mentioned in the first book, but it was in passing. Okay. They definitely so, mentioned yeah. that people could blood forge and that it was used primarily in Housesville. And, and, and as a narcotic. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's very interesting just to have it drawn out a little bit more. Um, but I'm still kind of I'm holding out judgment, I guess. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where if it's being used like it is in the tea room, for instance, it seems that everybody involved there is consenting, right? So if it is being used consensually, then, hey, more power to you, man. If that makes your experience, like, better, I ain't gonna mm -hmm. argue with it. And I'm not gonna argue with people who say, like, I'm a blood forger and become, like, sex workers even, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, that's whatever. Like, hey, you got a talent and you enjoy it and everybody's consensual, like, everything's consensual, use it, right? But... Mm -hmm. At the same time, I, I I have a feeling that there's gonna be like a, I I think that's gonna be used bad like really and and that could go for all forging all forging right could be used mm -hmm. badly but this specifically this idea of possibly being able to like control another person I guess in mm -hmm. a way is you know that like the, I don't know I don't like it I don't like it for that. So, yeah, it gives me love potion vibes. Yeah, yeah. What what is the love potion called in Harry Potter? Amortentia. Amortentia. I think is what it's called. Like, yeah, I don't. As long as it's used consensually, which granted that never would be, I don't think. But as long as it's used consensually, it's like okay, everybody consents. It's fine. You guys are using this mm -hmm. to up your game with each other. Great, good job. But mm -hmm. oh, I have a bad feeling that's not going to be how it's always used. Yeah. And I also don't, uh, this brings us around to our new characters. We'll discuss Eva first since we're discussing blood forging. I see like now I'm being like, the oh, I don't like Eva and I feel bad, you know, like as a femme presenting person that I'm being like, I don't like Eva, but she's also being like super mean girl. And Layla even thinks like, you know, whatever, I get it, man. Some girls are like this and but she's trying not to play along. And I'm like, yeah, go you, go Layla. But also Eva is being really weird and mean. And like, like you're calling out Layla for uh, being a mistress and like being useless. Cause you think she's useless. Cause you don't know what her powers are. Her power is, <laughs> but mm -hmm. you're a blood forger. So you could, you could be doing the same thing. Like you're not, I guess, but I don't know. I, what are your thoughts on Ava? Because I, at this point I'm, I'm in the mindset of the, I don't want girl on girl drama. And that's what I feel like. This is like, it, it, she literally at this point seems to exist just to call it like, just to have girl on girl drama. Yeah. I don't like her. I mean, she hasn't really done much yet, right? 
other than maybe no. to Layla. Well, and but that's a thing. She's being extra mean to Layla, and she seems to be perfectly fine with Enrique or with a uh, Sophia, right? Like it seems to be just Layla. So well, it's clearly just because Layla and Severon. Layla is Severon's mistress, right? Like of record or whatever. Yeah. However, they set it up so that she would be able to sleep in his bed all the time. So it's clearly like a whole thing about that. Which fine, but I, I don't know, Jonathan. What do you have any thoughts on Ava? Well, I mean, it's she's obviously interested in Severon, also, Why? and. Which proves that she too has terrible taste in men, and uh, <laughs> should probably uh, spend more time going after Enrique, who seems to. Well, we can talk about his clear bisexuality later. <laughs> I don't know why she like. Why does why does everybody like Severus so much? Like, okay, so he's attractive. Whatever, man. Like, I've yeah, met plenty of hot plenty of attractive guys. dudes. Yeah, Enrique clearly attractive. Hypnos clearly yeah. attractive. I, well, I mean, I think even Ruslan with his bald head, like seem like seems to be very eloquent and friendly mm -hmm. and not unattractive. And the assumption of when they when they cast these characters in the eventual TV show or books, they'll be even more attractive. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a 50-50 chance I feel like with like with Game of Thrones it was one of those things where they cast some way too attractive people for the characters who were supposed to be unattractive and then they cast some people who are attractive people but nowhere near like the tens that I feel are described in Martin. So, so, so you were so, so you're talking about Cersei I think right um actually no I'm not going to say who I'm talking about because I don't want to be rude but <laughs> but that is the problem with uh, really like exuberantly saying how attractive somebody is in the books because I don't think you know if you're if you're basically saying this person is one of the most attractive people in the world it is almost impossible to capture that in a visual medium true because attractiveness is subjective right so even if this person, even if the actor you got to play, Enrique or Hypnos, for example, uh, was very attractive, it doesn't mean that they are attractive in the way that the words describe them. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also, have you ever met a half Algerian with violet eyes? Have you ever met anybody no, I haven't. with violet I haven't met any half Algerians yet, so. I have. My cousin is. But, <laughs> I mean, for real, like. I've never met anybody with violet eyes. I don't think that no. is a naturally occurring pigment. I have a friend who has the most, most like absolutely gorgeous, I, I want to call them blue, but they're not. I could not even describe the color of her eyes. It is the fucking prettiest color you've ever seen. But I, I mean, I think I have very pretty colored eyes. Mine are like teal, but I don't think I've ever met anybody with purple eyes. That is not a naturally occurring color. I feel like we're mm -hmm. in an anime. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, but didn't you just assume that they forged that? I don't no. think 
No, I don't think so. I mean, it's 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 sort of like the Targaryens, right? Like, has has Rishni Chakshi read Game of Thrones? Like, has she read Song of Ice and Fire? Like, is that where she pulled like Sever like King Severin from? Like, <laughs> oh, anyway. So, speaking of new characters, Rus- Ruslan. Am I pronouncing that right, Nick? Do you remember how they Ruslan? I believe it's Ruslan. Okay, Ruslan. Um, is bald. <laughs> it's like he's very kind and very friendly and effusive in a good well, way. Well, let's let's uh, rephrase that. He appears very kind, very friendly, and effusive. Yeah, we're not yeah. far enough into the story to know if all that is true. I know, but I really want to like him. I'm afraid <laughs> he's going to be bad. Um, I don't want to theorize, but I do have a feeling we're being set up for. Ava and Ruslan to switch places in a sort of like good cop, bad cop situation. Mm-hmm. But all that said, right now, uh, he is very kind and friendly and effusive and also very bald and is obsessed with people's hair. And Sophia, like he asks Sophia to pat his head. <laughs> and they ask, like, they like, what do you think of Sophia? What do you think of Ruslan? And she's like, he's soft. Because she patted his <laughs> soft bald head. And he's constantly talking, like, he's just obsessed with people's hair. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very adorable. And I just, am, like, I, I have a bad feeling, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a really bad feeling about this, quote at Star Wars. <sighs> yes. But, oh, he is, he is, he seems so good. And I don't know, like, I don't want him to be bad. But yeah, again, bad feeling that the, the positions are going to be switched. Maybe not totally, but something like that. But that said, I, I as of right now, as of what I know about Ruslan right now, I like him and I want him to continue to be good bald man. <laughs> um, he's very funny and he does listen to Enrique, like we mentioned earlier. And that's kind of, oh, he listens to Enrique. Although I'm really weirded out about the fact that he has his, like, arm in a sling and is, like, clearly his arm is injured and Ava is also, like, limping around and it's like, why are you both mm-hmm. hurt in one of your limbs? Like, what have you been doing? I, I think that's part of why I'm like, I don't yep. really know if I should believe in you two. Like, were they in that battle at the end of book one? Yeah, yeah. Or just God knows what they've been doing elsewhere, and like it, it, it doesn't. It feels really weird that these two supposedly related people happen to have my like major injuries to both of their limbs. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Little fishy. It's a little bit, little bit, little bit. Um, So I don't know. So, so other thoughts about. Thoughts about Ruslan. Like, I can't be the only one who has thoughts about this guy. Because, like, I really want him to be good, but I'm also worried. <laughs> yeah, I'm always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Are we all just too jaded? What about you, Jonathan? Are you also jaded? Oh, well, no, actually, clearly you are, because you already said. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just too jaded. We are. Yeah. <laughs> We've read too much. Well, it's also, you know, it's a, it's a series. It, it's... Modern. I feel like, and maybe I'm just misremembering stuff I read when I was younger, but it seems like almost every current 
series or novel of novels in the fantasy and science fiction has betrayals at some point. So, well, I'm for sure. But I'm just anticipating the same, these. This one. At the same time, I what I think this like it feels very Grishaverse to me, probably because it's and more so the uh, Shadow and Bone trilogy than the later than like Six of Crows or the Nicolai. Oh, really? I was going to say the opposite. Well, in terms of in terms of the characters, I mean, like how I'll be honest, how kind of basic they are. And I, I say oh. that in like I say that in that sounds worse than I mean it to, right? But you know, we got oh. bad, we've got bad boy Savon who is probably oh. going to end up being more like Nikolai, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like, oh god, is like like Layla is is basically, but, oh god, what's her name? But Nikolai was never an asshole. So yeah. No, no, no. Layla is not Zoya. Layla is what's the Sun Summoner's name? Uh, Alina. Alina. Layla is more like Alina, sort of like doomed, uh, doomed. You know, beautiful girl. And oh, I thought she was more like the Wraith. Uh, Ava is is more like Zoya right now. Like yeah, I thought Layla. Yeah, I thought Layla was more like the Wraith. Yes, you're right. More like who? I'm sorry. Layla, John? like the Wraith. The Wraith. Only in the sense of the romantic connection to the Kaz lead Severon, um, the 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 the, the 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 ethnic background. The yeah, I think I think we need to ignore the ethnic background though, because at least at least in terms of personality, I don't think Layla and the Wraith have much in common. No, no, and and I I mean a little bit history wise, maybe like in terms of being abused. Yes, Layla being abused by her father, but I mean Alina was too in her in her foster home a little bit, and I I, I think it's I the way I put Layla on the level with Alina is more just like she's like this doomed perfect girl, right? I mean Alina obviously isn't perfect, Nyla, neither is Layla really, but it, it you know it, let's let's put it kind of lightly, whatever. Whereas, and then Eva comes in, and Eva is just straight up mean girl for no reason other than that she wants Severin, and mm-hmm. AKA Mal, AKA the Darkling, AKA like every dude that Zoyo apparently like had a thing for that Alina got right. And again, these are these are they're not one to one exact comparisons, but that's that's what they remind me of, and. Then in the end, Zoya turned out to be good, and I think that might also be why I'm like, oh, so we're gonna are we gonna get like a redemption arc for Eva, the mean girl? Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but if we get a redemption arc for Eva, I think that probably means that Ruslan is not a good guy, and that 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 concerns me because I like him, but I feel like I didn't. I never liked the Darkling. So I can't even compare him to the Darkling. Like I, I saw through that guy immediately, but like, ugh. I just want Ruslan to be like a nice, for some reason, bald guy. I, I would love that. <laughs> okay, so I want to. I do want to talk, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a switch. And I don't. I don't really have much to say about Layla. 
I think for the first two parts of this book, like we've already, we've talked about her in reference to other characters. Mm -hmm. And at this point I'm, I'm a little annoyed only because I feel like she only exists to like pine after Severin and it's giving me a headache. Like just thinking Mm -hmm. about it right now, it's giving me a headache. And I just am like, I just, you're better than this girl. But do we have any thoughts about Layla? Do you guys have any thoughts about Layla? Because I was mostly just frustrated with her. Yeah. 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 I mean, we talked last time about how, and and the time before that, for that matter, about how, like, I just, I'm so over these romances that are, will they, won't they, and they're not even really good for each other. And it's just so frustrating. And seems so unnecessary. Well, I mean, there can't be a will they won't be. They they already did, right? They yeah, already had they, the one night they, in terms of like actually managing to have a relationship, which they both clearly want. Yes, they had sex, but the having sex is not necessarily a will they won't they situation. We've seen plenty of shows, there's plenty of media that has will they won't they dynamics after they've had already had some form of a relationship already. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Jonathan. Any any thoughts on Layla? No. I'm... Yeah, she she. <laughs> you know, she's worried she's gonna die. That's about it. I, uh, oh, I will say, I am really glad that she finally told some of the other cookies about that situation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was actually really good because that was something that was really frustrating me in the first book, and then in part of the the, the very first part of this book, it was like. I hate it when people have this like big secret, but they won't talk to anyone about it. Why? Yeah, the other the other question I thought about is: Is it actually true? Oh sure. I mean, we don't know that. We don't know. I mean, actually, Layla I for sure believes it is, and I think well, I know she believes it is. But the question is: Is it is it true? We don't we don't know. We don't know how to what degree it's true. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> We will probably uh, know by next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure by the end of the series. I mean, hopefully they're not going to. Well, her birthday's way. in like nineteen days. I would. Well, actually, I mean, theoretically, the book yeah, I think so, so. I did like I did get a little like you did, Nick. I got a little bit into the um, the second uh, the, the next part the second, of the book, yeah, the and part. in the next part of the book, it's like it starts off. Um, like six days till the winter conclave and she's only got like 12 days left or something like that. I mean, yeah. she's, she's, she's getting real close there. So yeah. I, I, I will find out soon. It depends on how long time wise this book lasts, but yes, there's always a chance that what she believes about her life ending the moment she turns, is it 19 or 20? I think it's 19. I think it's the day she turns 20. Is it? Okay. No, I mean, which is, she uh, She gets two years longer than Logan's run, or, <laughs> or 10 years less, depending on book or movie. But I mean, I hope that she's not just going to, like, I, I I don't know. No, I, I as far as we know, she believes that she is going to die. And that's what matters right now. And it's, it's, I, but I do agree, Nick, yeah, that, Thank God. Thank God she finally. And yeah. the fact, Sophia and Enrique were just like, okay, 
okay, well, we, we have a thing that we have to do yep. now. We're not losing another friend and we're going to save you. Like there, and you know, she was like, so worried their opinions were going to change and everything, or they were going to pity her or whatever. And they're just like, Nope, get to work. But, but I'm like, hi ho, hi ho. It's off to work. We go to save Layla's yep. life. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> yes. That part was really, really nice. I actually, I was like, okay, good job, Layla. Yeah. I mean, and not only did she tell them about her impending possible slash probable death, she also told them about her power, which yeah. was, so she's just opening up all over the place. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not counting the randos she was sleeping with and telling them that she was dying. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I get that that makes her a little bit more angsty, but it felt entirely gratuitous. Unnecessary, yeah. Like, but, oh, we're yeah, just going to throw I, in some sex. And, like, of course, of course, Enrique and Sophia yeah. reacted the way they reacted. Like, and speaking of Sophia, Sophia. she's she's doing, she's doing, uh, she's doing okay. Doing her best. Yeah. I, her sister is very sick, possibly dying. That's a little, mm -hmm. like, weird kind of side plot that it's like, where is this going to go? Yeah not clear where that's going other than it's a way for Zofia to be brought back into yeah. the fold. But if because she needs the money, right? The problem is that if she, if her sister wasn't sick, she would not have left. Well, that's true too, but, but she ran she out of money because her sister was sick. sick. Right. Yeah. And then ran out of money caring for her sister. So therefore she has to get back in the fold. Well, but it's an unnecessary plot. If there isn't another reason for it, because Fair enough. There, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't be necessary. So hopefully there is a, a a reason that this is happening that we'll learn about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it does the amount of time that is spent yeah. on it, and I, I mean, and then I think she gets like a note from her sister that like she's got a special doctor care like Severin like sent a special doctor to her and stuff like that I, I, I that actually know. happened before she came back okay uh so in her first pov chapter we learned that her sister's life was only saved by this mysterious doctor who showed up who said that uh zofia's zofia had already paid for his services even though zofia knew that she hadn't and then we find out later that Severin had sent the doctor uh, who gave her sister some mysterious shot that we don't know what was in it or anything, but that like saved her life. I'm hoping that it's not just some weird side plot to keep McGuffin Sophia away for a little while. It, it feels very side note, but also kind of important because this is her sister. Yeah. And... Oh, and God, her, her awful uncle, who is like, Ugh. you have to like, now you owe me all this money because you're, because your sister can't teach my kids, you owe me money. What the fuck world is that? But if, like, but if her sister dies, then it's all forgiven. Uh -huh. It's only as long as her sister is alive, Zofia has to work for him and like pay him money. And I guess because it's like a Ruben Ford situation. Forgiven. 
Like you have to teach yeah. my kids for your room and board, but also, and, and, and listen, also, I, that's not incorrect in terms of like historical, like, I know it's just upsetting. Oh yeah. Forget historical. There's plenty of times where families do that to relatives all the time today. Oh. I don't know. It's upsetting. Well, so on that note, um, other than other than her sister, like Sophia's still into Enrique, mm-hmm. and still I think feeling awkward about Enrique and Hypnos, and mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's not there's not as much from Sophia. The first the first two parts of this book, she's there. She's doing a job. She's being good, like Sophia is, and. She's definitely noticing the tension between Ava and Layla, and she is there for Layla when Layla tells her the truth, and her thoughts on that are basically like, she's my friend, gonna save her. Gotta save her. Gonna do the thing. I don't know. Yeah, she, she's... Enrique, I, I think that Zofia is kind of sidelined a little bit in the first half of this book. So I'm hoping that she comes back with a... Not vengeance, but comes back <laughs> hardcore in the second half-ish parts three and four of this book because not enough Sophia if you ask me agreed just let's just like deprioritize Severon and Layla for the second mm-hmm. half give us more Enrique and Sophia and uh give us some hypnos yeah and then I'll be happy that's all we want more more <laughs> more okay so last I don't want to say even last but not least because last but also a little bit least is Delphi, the yep. matriarch of House Core. I wanted to talk about her because, again, we get the prologue from her, but she also is very prominent in this book yep. in terms of being part of the whole thing, right? She's there. She's there. Yep. And uh, I, I, of course, her little prologue ends on a cliffhanger. All we know is that uh, what's her name? Kahina, I think Severin's mother asks, mm-hmm. like, like approaches Delphine, kind of like appears from the shadows, and Delphine is like, "Ugh, this bitch," and it's like, mm, "Why you gotta be so rude?" So, but yeah, it's it's the promise me Ned scene. A little bit, yeah. I mean, <sighs> but I. Yeah, it is a little weird. It's like it's almost like she knows she's gonna like her and the father are going to die, which is like it is a little prophetic. Why would you be asking this woman to watch over your son unless you have a bad feeling? Again, I got a really bad feeling. Well maybe that was didn't didn't the she have powers though? Uh, didn't she have forging? Yes, yeah. Kahino Kahina I gosh, I hope I'm saying her name right. But I think it's Kahina. So may, maybe maybe one of her talents was a prophetess. Who knows? I don't I don't know that that's a power that's come up in these books, and God I hope not, because that's like ooh. But that, that's always a questionable nobody wants that sort of thing. Honestly, Layla's is the closest, but hers really only works in the past. Not just like the prologue, but the fact that she rushes in and, and saves them from the burning, yeah. like what is it called? A troika? Uh, troika. Like a cart, right? Yeah. And 
I mean, she's there, she's there with them at the sleeping palace and everything. And so we know now for sure. And, and of course we got that bit at the end of Guild of Wolves where she was like, you know, we can't let Severin be the head of house Van. Mm-hmm. Can't we can't let him. He's not really the heir. That seems a little bit suspect, but still to me. But yeah, that's I she clearly wants to protect him, but also it's like, my God, like, did you how, why did your version of protecting have to be to abandon this child who you clearly love? Yeah, exactly. When they first get to the sleeping palace, she she like meets him in the hallway and brings him like his special overly buttered toast with the special yeah. jam that he likes. And it, you know, Doesn't she try to serve him at the yeah. tea house or something. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, she tries to serve him something that she thinks he likes at the tea house as well. She clearly loves him. I mean, she's even if she hadn't straight up said it in the prologue, she clearly she clearly loves him and she has spent her entire life avoiding him. And that yeah. like, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm looking at this from, because he called her Tanta Fifi, which is, you know, aunt. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at this as like, I know who my favorite nibbling is. I'm not going to say which one it is of the five that I have, but I do have no five. Yes. Five that I have. I do have one and like I can't ever imagine just being like mm, I'm gonna be a rude ass bitch to you to like protect you no right. that's not happening no. and I, I I know it's a different world and a fantasy world and everything but it's like did you really have to be this nasty like did you really have to do this well and the know. only thing that I can think of is, and I think we talked about this at the end of the last book if Severon is secretly a part of the fallen house. Then I could start to understand a little bit. Even then it's hard if you're like really loved a child to imagine abandoning them. But if there is that like, Oh, he's a part of by blood is a part of the fallen house. And I'm protecting him by like keeping him separated from that knowledge. Then you could kind of start to understand it, but still it just it doesn't really make sense yeah yeah it's it's it just feels like i don't know hopefully we'll learn more because i'm like at this point it's it's like i clearly see that you care about this person yeah. and why why and not, not only care about him but like now you want to take care of him now right. i don't know jonathan any her love for her very obvious love for severin and why the fuck is she ignoring him possibly to protect him well that's yeah i mean yeah to protect him is like the excuse but i'm still over here just like mm, it feels like a really big excuse it feels like the uh i'm going I'm, I'm going to show my love for you by not being in a relationship with you because otherwise i might hurt you no, no, I think, I don't think that's it. I think it more has to do with some plot elements that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in, I'm in between, I think, the two of you, where mm-hmm. I, I see where you're coming from, Nick, but I also think that, I think it's more that she didn't know 
how to protect him and also love him. Mm -hmm. And like, she knew she had to protect him and, and that might be completely like, okay, let's say she absolutely had to protect him. Right. His mom said, I need you to protect my son. You love him. I need you to protect him. And I think she didn't know how to be the matriarch of her house and also protect him. I'm not I saying it's right, true. but it's like, it, it, no, it's not right. It's maddening. Cause like, <laughs> Oh my God, y'all just fucking talk to each other. Yeah, like, seriously. Christ the number sake. of times plot issues come down to just talk to each other is infuriating. Well, yeah, and, not, and I'm not saying that just about this book, by the way. It just it happens in so many different books that it's just like if you just fucking talk to each other and communicated, these issues would not exist. But it, how isn't that true in real life too? I mean, yeah, if you're a bad, how many times are because people don't talk to each other? Oh, I mean, yes, that's absolutely true. But I think that there there are ways for people to. I, I I think there's there are I think there's like something missing, honestly, in writing where, yeah. you know, in real life you can communicate with each other and still also have conflict, right? But in stories, and and I'll be honest very particularly in stories that are young adult it yep. is all like no just nobody tells anybody anything and that's that so i don't know and also yes jonathan you're absolutely right there are plenty of examples where people don't communicate well or deliberately don't say something that they should just say to another human but also that doesn't make a good story <laughs> no, I get and, it. And so I feel like it's a it's a lazy tool to fall back on if you aren't doing an adequate job of explaining why somebody actually isn't sharing this information. And the the idea of well, I'm worried what people will think of me if I share this information, frankly, is not a good excuse from a storytelling perspective of why you didn't share that information. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a good reason. It doesn't mean that it wasn't that uh, plenty of people do that all the time in real life, but from a storytelling perspective, all it does is infuriate me as a reader. And I think because it could writers, be solved by just saying, here's this thing that you need to know. And I think that good writers, I, I mean, there are absolutely, series that I love where there's like a lack of communication. I mean, honestly, like Song of Ice Fire, Red Rising is another one. Like yeah. th there's absolutely lacks of communication, but that doesn't need to be the crux of all the issues, which I feel is very prevalent in YA Lit. And I don't want to hate on YA Lit because I do clearly love it. Yeah, we love it, but, but it can still infuriate us. Yes. Okay, so before we close out, I do want to just have a quick conversation about the Sleeping Palace. Because, wow, mm. they found Sleeping Palace, right? And yeah. they, it's this, well, it, it, and like I said in the summary, it's, it's more of like a cathedral, 
is what they decide. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting that there is a library devoid of books. I have a feeling there are actually books there. They just need to figure out how to get them to appear. The ice-forged animals are weird to me. Like, is there just a whole, like, atrium of ice-forged animals? Is it a... I, I was very... The, the logistics of it were confusing to me. Is it attached to or is it is it in the ice grotto? Is it attached to the ice grotto? I I, I don't know that the explanation of that was very good. Yeah, I, it, it sounded to me like it was just a part of the ice grotto, but I'm not sure. And that could have just been, been me trying to like fill in a gap. Yeah. I, I could not get a picture in my head of, you know, the, I, they see the animal, the, the, the room filled with the ice forged animals, right? And then they go into the ice grotto through this like one person at a time tunnel. They get into the grotto and then somehow those animals are charging at them. So I guess it's the same room. I, I don't know. Could you get a picture in your head of that? Because I could not. I sort of assumed they came through the tunnel. But they saw them animate, though, didn't they? Like, as soon as Severin, like, started walking up those so. stairs, they saw them. there's more on the other side. Maybe. Yeah, I, it was very... And, I mean, I read it, and I went back and, like, like kind of skimmed it again. And I still, for the life of me, could not figure out how they got from point A to point B. So I must admit, the action scenes are the ones that I completely lose of when I'm listening on live. They are hard to follow when you're listening because there's a lot going on and But I mean yeah. even if they weren't, it's like I, I'm still just unsure like like where those animals came from. And okay, so they're guardians, I get that. And Severin like stepping up or down I can't remember if it was up or down. Stepping onto the stairwell. Down, I think. Stepping into, onto, whatever, the stairwell that was like the band stairwell, whatever, mm -hmm. is what caused them to ignite, <laughs> to act, whatever. But, yeah, so Ice Grotto is empty. And I'm, I'm actually looking at it now because this is driving me crazy. Bugging you? Yeah. <laughs> From the eastern corner of the wall, okay, the the ice rhino crashed through the glass barrier. So it's two separate rooms. So you can't gotcha. get into one from the other, or you couldn't get into one from the other. But yeah, I I, I skimmed this again, and I'm now I'm reading it. And I'm like, okay, I guess. But this seems like okay. So if they were supposed to be guardians of the thing, then why did why was there a barrier in the first place? This is very. Maybe they were guardians of multiple things, and they wanted it to be pretty. I'll be honest, I don't like it. Aesthetics <laughs> is the answer. Okay. Okay. It's well, very pretty. You'd have to be there, Tara. And if you were there, you would see how beautiful it is. <laughs> I mean, they do a very good job of describing how beautiful this ice palace is. Uh, they don't talk much about how cold it is. Maybe they will in the second part, like the second half of this book, but like they don't talk much about how cold it would be in this cathedral slash palace made of ice, but whatever. Okay. That is true because they talk about how cold it is like in so many other parts of the book, but they don't talk about it there. Maybe somehow it is not as cold inside the cathedral. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see next time. <laughs>
So any last thoughts? Yes, I wanted to discuss how I discovered I've mispronounced my daughter's name for 26 years. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, they pronounce it differently than we have. So. Oh, 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 oh. In, the, in the audiobook, how do they pronounce it? Thalia. So was your daughter actually named after the muse of comedy? Because She was, and there's an irony to that story. Um, so... When my first choice for a name was Athena, um, and that's a bit much, honestly. I love well, you guys. That's a bit much. <laughs> that 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 was what Anna said, and that if the child is ugly, that's a disaster. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then meanwhile, the time, you guys got like the most beautiful child ever, but you know. <laughs> so so at the at the time, so we were just basically on our way to the hospital when Anna was um went into labor and she said to me it's like oh i've decided it's good if it's a girl it's going to be talia and i'm like like the mexican singer because she's like yeah the mexican singer which was popular at the time she goes i like it i'm like fine i really didn't care but so when we get told my father this after talia was born um, my father's like oh the greek muse of comedy and I'm like, oh, so we actually named her after a Greek deity after all. So there's the irony. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the Spanish pronunciation of what my father always described as Thalia. But this book but it's pronounced Thalia. It, Talia. Talia. Well, <laughs> or, Talia. Or Thalia. Thalia. That's it. Thalia. Thalia. Well, Talia is better as a pronunciation <laughs> if you ask me so that's funny because that was something that i did read far enough ahead where that was like the first thing i noted was like have to ask jonathan in the next episode if his daughter was actually named after the greek means of comedy she was she was <laughs> which is so like i i mean i love talia but like i i i i talia I, but i i i never like i i mean i'm not saying she's not amusing but I feel like you gave her like big shoes to fill. There. Well, yeah, but Athena would have been, you know, the goddess of war would have been tougher. She should be a stand-up comic and not. Uh, what what does she do for work? Well, at the moment, she's just finished graduate school and is technically unemployed. So, so I would say at the moment, it's more like exercise rider. But uh, <laughs> what did she go to graduate school for? Environmental science, but oh, she, well, see. she she just graduated a couple of weeks ago, and we've her mother wants to take her on a stuff. Well, yeah, she's she now does. looking for to start to do something in the fall. But well, okay. On that note, I'm going to leave us with a quote first. Uh, the quote I chose this time is from Enrique because we, <laughs> we love him. And I love this Jeez. quote because it's the exact opposite of everything Severin is. And yeah, that's what life was, a privilege. He wouldn't waste it chasing vengeance. He would do something vastly more meaningful, more important. And as we close out this episode, we just want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Yay! Yay! Thank, thank you. you so much, Tommy, for supporting us. Once again, I'm Tara, along with Nick and Jonathan. Thank you for joining us for Sagas and Sass, and we'll see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.